What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. This week on The Big Show, we welcome two-time Oscar nominee, Jaiman Hansu, to the show. Hansu will talk about uh, his role in the animated action sequel, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Plus, we'll have entertainment news, news of the latest films, including How to Train Your Dragon 2 and 22 Jump Street, all on episode 250. That's right, y'all, 250. I'm keeping it real with film Gordon. Let's go. Now let's start the show. show. Step out of the cold, cold. We come from the cold, cold. To the top of the cold, cold. The pips and the hoes, hoes. The folks and the stones, stones. Whoever you ride for, we back for some more. Get back to the show, show. You know. And good afternoon and welcome to episode 250. Wow. Episode 250 of Keeping It Real with Film Gordon. Wow. Man. Milestone. Didn't plan anything special today, man, because these milestones run up against our annual anniversary, which is coming up in November, the 50th anniversary. But 250 is a nice, sweet number. And I want to welcome you guys to the show today. Today on our show, um, an actor whose work I've watched for quite a while, Jaiman Hansu, will be by a little later on. Uh, we'll talk about his role in the film How to Train Your Dragon 2, um, so you don't want to miss that. Um, also coming up, we'll have reviews coming up a little later on in the show of that movie, as well as the other huge release this week, 22 Jump Street. We were supposed to be doing another interview to promote uh, the brand-new film uh, theater that's coming to Washington, D.C. that I'm going to be spending a lot of time in, uh, the new Angelica Papa. I'm not really sure if that's going to happen or not. Uh, if it doesn't happen, 
we'll do my segment where I'm just going to get in there freestyle because I don't really, people who know me know I don't really have a problem, you know, articulating something as it relates to film. So, uh, yes, that's coming up as well. And momentarily, hopefully, hopefully, I'm doing air quotes, you can't see it at home, Wilson Morales will stop by. But before we begin, um, had interviews today, uh, a lot of these interviews. We don't, I, I try not to do a lot of live stuff on air. You guys have been listening to this show uh, during our run. I try to record things, and I try to record things because when you, can, when you record interviews, you have a lot of control over how it's presented, how you do it, you know, what it sounds like, the presentation for you at home, which I think is really, really important. When you do stuff live, there's there's some room for error in there. There's there's a monkey wrench that can come in there and just kind of throw something off. Um, You know, like we stopped taking, if you listen to the show, we really stopped taking calls a while ago because uh, there was an incident one time that that, that is called the incident that shall not be named where uh, somebody got on the air and said something real crazy. So we definitely don't, we, we try to stay away from that. But I'm saying all of that to say that, of course, it has been surreal, I guess is the word, because it is a part of the business that we're in. And when I say we, meaning me, Travis Hobson, Wilson Morales, uh, Sean Edwards, Kevin McCarthy, Brandon Fibbs, all of the guys that, who are routine regulars on this show, Omar Moore, that we from time to time have to interview and talk to actors. And sometimes they're actors that we watch on the big screen and that we really, really like. And sometimes they're actors that fall into that category who don't come across really, really well. Well, all I can say, uh, we had interviews this morning for a film that's coming out next week, and there's a very, very sexy actress that um, had the opportunity to interview her several times who I talked to this morning. We will listen to that interview on episode 251, which is next week. But, um, yes, I love this business. <laughs> that all I have to say, I love this job. So uh, we're having a lot of fun. We're in the middle of the summer movie season right now. And uh, as you guys know from listening to me, you know, this, this time of year and the holiday time of the year, you know, we're talking about probably mid-November through the end of the year are my two favorite times of the year because, one, in the summer season, you get all your good popcorn movies, you know, your big action, sci-fi, special event, I mean, special, special, uh, you know, FX, special effects, you know, your, your comic superhero movies, all that stuff happens around now. The holidays are when we get our serious Oscar contenders. And so we're in that time of season right now, and talking serious right now, I am so glad, finally, to get our watches synchronized on the same bat time. It is none other than coming up from Gotham, Wilson Morales. Sir Wilson, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. I don't know if you've just been online and saw the news that the legendary Ruby D has just died. No! Really? Yes. Yeah, well, they just got recorded oh. now. Apparently she died yesterday, but uh, she was 91. Damn. Okay, well, that, that, that will change. What, well, it's not going to change what we do today, but I'm going to have to do something a little later on because, you know, legendary actors, even without reading anything, I know enough about Ruby Dee to know that she was a contemporary of Sidney Poitier's, uh, actually started acting. Her and Ozzy started acting prior to Sidney, 
Um, and both of them appeared in his debut film, No Way Out, back in 1950. Uh, they were married 56 years, Wilson, am I correct? I, I mean, I know a lot about Wilson. I know a lot about this. Oh, God, that's a giant right there, bro. That, that, I'm, I'm, well, I'm thanks for breaking that here because I was on the air, so I did not see that. Um, wow, so you're going to have to put something together really quickly for blackfilm.com, am I correct? Yeah, but I'll, I'll just go. I'll get whatever everybody else is putting together. You know, <laughs> it's like uh, I think it's uh, it was birds. All the details are not out yet, but apparently um, she passed away yesterday in her home, New Rochelle. Uh, that's all the details that I have for now. Mm, okay, well, damn. I mean, I mean, I have an open segment in the next segment, so I might talk a little bit about what I know because I've had an opportunity to meet them. Uh, and spent some time with Ozzy Davis, who I thought was just the nicest guy, man. Smart, but nice. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's interesting, man. So what else is going on in entertainment? And I kind of have an idea of what's going on because all week long I've been either racing you or copying stuff from your site and rewriting it. Well, the Queen Latifah film that she's doing on Bessie Smith is starting to take shape. You know, they've added right. characters uh, that are going to be played by Mike Epps, uh, Michael K. Williams, Tika uh, uh, Sumter, Monique. Uh, you, know, so, you know, they're putting that together. And uh, yesterday we posted the first photo from Spike Lee's new film, uh, The Sweet Blood of Jesus, which, is, which will have its premiere uh, in two Sundays from now at the ABSF, which is the closing night sound for the festival. Now, Wilson, when you say it, man, it doesn't sound sexy. Every time I, we were on the show and I said, you know, every time I say the title of that film, this is what it's going to sound like, The Sweet Blood of Jesus. <laughs> 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 but go ahead, man. I'm looking forward to seeing that. Now, yeah, everybody's looking forward to seeing it. <laughs> well, like we don't know yeah, well, we'll the, talk a little later, man. I've got I've got to figure this whole ABFF thing out because the interviews that are happening here, it, it, it's crazy times, man, with, with so much work going on and so many projects and people wanting us to cover so many different things, man. So, um, so what else is going on, man? Uh, Say that again? What else? They just put out the first poster for Billy Woodruff's film called Addicted, which is coming out in the fall, and it stars Sharon Liu and Boris Kojo. And that's based on a book by uh, Jeanet, if I'm uh, pronouncing her name correctly. You know, so no, it's man, it's Zane, Zane, man. Zane, Zane, you Zane, you know. You're talking about the hip-hop <laughs> group. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I'm so <laughs> off right now. <laughs> but I guess it's Zane, Zane. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me on that one. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, well, so, I just, I just did that for love, man, because I don't want you to say that to anybody else. <laughs> The L.A. Film Festival is currently ongoing right now, and yesterday they had the premiere of Snowpiercer, which is going to come out soon. It, it stars uh, Chris, um, stars the uh, Octavia Spencer and Jamie Bell, and it's a very intriguing film. And one of the films that's actually premiering tonight at the festival is a film called Supremacy, which is directed by Theon Taylor, who's known for the two horror films he did previously, which was Night Tales and Chain Letter. So this is a new genre film. He's trying to do something serious so that way he can get out of the horror the genre. Uh, the movie stars Joe Anderson, Danny Glover, Leela Rashawn, and Evan Ross. Wow. Okay. Now, I have a, I have a question to ask because, and, I, and I'm online, so I may Google it. I've seen a lot of photos on social media recently 
about the L.A. Film Festival, and a lot of them are around Stephanie Elaine Bray. So, now, to, to the best of your knowledge, does she have a role? Is she like a juror? Is she? By, I, I get the impression that either she is behind the festival or she's serving in, a, in an honorary, what do you call it, um, yes. when people yes. when they have competitions? I don't know the direct title because I'm not online right now. She's a director. She's one of the 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 one of the chairpersons. You know, don't quote me on the title, but she's definitely had a position with the festival. Okay. Wow. Um, damn. Okay. Um, I, I'm still still kind of moved about this Ruby D thing, man. Yeah, you know, a couple of weeks ago we had Maya Angelou, and now we're getting Ruby D. You know, it just tells you the life is short. Well, no, no, it, it tells me that. It's a, well, actually, it doesn't tell me that life is short, Wilson. It tells us. It tells me that we're getting older. So we're <laughs> at that stage in life. No, I mean, I'm not being funny. I'm just saying we're at that stage in life where people will start to pass who are of our generation that we either grew up watching, talked to. So it's like, damn, man. <laughs> But, but wow! So anything else going on, man? Because you know you done you, my my mood and and, uh-huh. and rhythm has been uh-huh. thrown off. I know. So yeah, when things like that happen, you just start thinking about other things. But you know, you still have films coming out this week. You know, you've got uh, uh, being released in small theaters. It's a small. It's a film called Lullaby, which stars Garrett Hedlund and also features uh, Terrence Howard and Jennifer Hudson in the same film once again. So yeah. Um, um, <laughs> see, I'm going to do a Wilson Morales right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's good that they can work on projects that are small and where they're not the focal point and they're just taking roles. As they say on the, they say in the streets of Wilson, don't do that again. Stop it. Just stop doing that. <laughs> you know. And that's all I'll say about that, man. Stop but, it. But also, you know, but, you know, one of the things, uh, one of the films still playing and doing well is Amon Sante's Bell, which is actually going to have its premiere in London, finally. So the movie is still, you know, doing well and still opening up overseas, which is a good thing because, you know, you don't get that many small films played all over the world. Well, you know what, man? I, I am so happy. I know you, you and I. Now, you actually hosted one of the Q&As in New York for Bell, did you, didn't you? Actually, no, no, no. I just got to do an interview with the director and the star. Okay, because I hosted the Q&A. I hosted several of them. And um, I remember, like, you did one, like, the night before she came down here. So I'm a Sante, really, really nice woman. Uh, I'm glad she's having so much success with that film. I, I like that film a lot. Um and, and Gugu Mabatha Raw, really good job in that film as well. So it's good to see that there's some other voices that are out there that are getting some shine and some play. So congratulations to Ama, and I hope she keeps it going, man. So man, we'll, before know. we get out of here, man, I, I, I was going to say, before we get out of here, I know you're a New Yorker, man. Um, I just want to ask you a non-sports question, I mean a non-film question before we roll. Uh, I'm watching the, the back screen here, and they're showing Carmelo Anthony possibly leaving your beloved Knicks and headed down, taking his talents down to South Beach, man. Um, what, what's your probability of something like that happening, and can you hold on to Melo? 
I think he's not going to go away, not to South Beach, because if, let's say if Miami loses the championship to the Spurs, you know, adding another player is just not going to help out because, you know, you have too many superstars in there. And, you know, one of them is going to have to give up in terms of uh, in terms of how much he's the not only the star in New York, you know, he's the, he's the number one option. If he goes to Miami, he's not going to be the number one option. He may not be the number two option because it's, if the Wayne Way stays, he's going to be the third or fourth option. So who knows? All right, man. Well, let people know where they can read your, uh, your content, Wilson. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You can look for information on Blackfoot.com, which is the same word you use for Twitter and Facebook. I will start updating uh, on the past we have Miss D and see what else comes up throughout the day and hopefully you know I'll see you guys next week for ABFF. All right, so brother, you take care, right. man. And um, I'll care. be I'll be checking out I'll check you out a little later on. We'll talk. Okay. Bye. All right, man. All right, and of course that is none other than my buddy Wilson Morales up at blackfilm.com who shared the uh news about the passing of Ruby D at the age of ninety one. I'm gonna take a break right now and Again, going to Film Knowledge 101, and I want to talk about Ruby D. in our next segment. You guys, keep it where you got it. Of course, you listen to the big show. It's Keeping It Real with Film Gordon, and we'll be right back. show keeping it real with film gordon it is 17 minutes after the hour and um wow doing break um was thinking about the the legendary career of ruby d who they just announced uh probably no more than a half an hour ago just passed away at the age of 91 in new rochelle from natural causes um wow she happens to be an actress that i know a whole lot about 
and I know a whole lot about this woman, not necessarily because I was a fan of her work, because I was, and not because she's a legendary actress who just happened to be African-American, because she was that as well. But what I know about Ruby Dee is largely about the persona that she had in the, in the movies that she made. And when we had Wilson on in the last segment, I was thinking about really time spent more so with Ozzie Davis and, what, and how lovingly he talked about his wife, Ruby. Um, when I worked at uh, radio years ago, we did a promotion where, believe it or not, we brought Ozzie down. We flew Ozzie down from New Rochelle down to D.C. Uh, we had some special winners who we ran, excuse me, we ran a contest where winners had an opportunity to come and have lunch with him. And I remember Ozzy just being like really, this really warm, intelligent guy who could have had an ego uh, that, that was substantially larger than what it was. I mean, it, well, he had no ego, but, you know, you're Ozzy Davis and you're married to Ruby D, and you guys are like, you know, the first family of black film. Um, as I said earlier, there were peers of Sidney Poitier, both of them, and that they, they actually precede Sidney by four years. Poitier made his debut in 1950 in a film that both of them were in, No Way Out. But Ruby made her debut uh, back in 1946 in a film. Um, and and I'll, let me give you the film title because I want to make sure um, – I want to make sure that I, I'm, I'm being respectful. That man of mine in 1946, she followed it up in 1950 in the Jackie Robinson story uh, where she actually played the wife of Jackie Robinson. I forget, I, think, I forget what her name is, but Jackie Robinson played himself in the film. So as I think about Ruby Dee's career, I've seen so many of her films, and so many of them are these forgotten treasures from back in the day that now hopefully people will discover. Now, one of my favorite films from her, and I just put up on thefilmgordon.com if you get an opportunity, I have a piece on there called The Essentials, you know, the 90 movies that have helped shape the way I see films, what I know about films, uh, films that have exceptional performances, films that have social and historical and cultural significance, etc. And one of the films on my list, it's a film from 1959, and it's called Take a Giant Step. The film stars a young Johnny Nash, and it stars as his housekeeper, a young Ruby Dee. What is special about this movie? Because I've only seen it once, but I remember marveling because all my life, all the films I've ever seen Mrs. Dee do, she was, you know, of age. She was substantially older, you know, uh, she's 90, she passed at 91, so by the time I started watching movies, maybe 50 years ago, she was a full-grown, you know, 40, 45, 50-year-old woman, and then I would see her in more roles as she aged, and, and they were great roles, but she was, in my eyes, she was always a woman who kind of looked like my grandmother, so to see her in a film like Take a Giant Step, <laughs> where she literally is like maybe, I don't know, 20, 25. I mean, she's really young in this movie, and she's really good. Now, the story is about uh, this character that Johnny Nash plays, which is this, this African-American kid in high school who goes to an all, 
uh, all-white school, and he discovers that, or, or he, he thinks that he's insulated uh, and that, you know, he's living a life where, you know, he's, he's black, but he's not black, if that makes any sense. And then an incident occurs in his school, and he's suspended, so it sends him off on this day of discovery where he hangs out in a bar, he meets a prostitute, he comes home, and, you know, Ruby D, who looked amazingly good in this movie, I keep talking about Take a Giant Step as an essential movie because uh, it's about the story, the significance of the story, but Ruby D's character also plays a huge part in that as this all-knowing, all-knowledgeable housekeeper who helps this young boy necessarily transition into a man. So I think about a film like that. I think about one of her later films that she literally got nominated for an Academy Award for a movie that she was in, I don't know, maybe seven, six or seven scenes, uh, including slapping the bejesus out of Denzel Washington an American gangster back in 2008. Now, Mrs. D, uh, which is really interesting because I know Mrs. D also knew Mrs. Angelou, um, and, and in the span of less than two weeks, you've lost two cultural giants. And Maya Angelou was beloved, Angelou was beloved, and people, you know, had wonderful platitudes. Ruby D, as it relates to, you know, black cinema, I mean, she has got, I mean, I can't think of anybody right now. I mean, we think about the giants of, uh, I, I talk about the giants of the first renaissance, the people like Paul Robeson. Um, Clarence Muse, I'm trying to think. We lost Herb Jeffries recently, who did several films in the late 30s, early 40s. But I can't think, and, and, and I'm, I'm scanning my brain right now, my, the film brain that I have, to think of another black actress that has had the longevity of Miss Ruby D. And, and the longer I think about it, Dorothy Dandridge, no. Diane Carroll, no because Ruby Dee's been around longer than her and, and made films longer than Diane Carroll, who actually dabbled in television and stage, but not in film to that degree. Duh, I can't think of anybody. I think, and I'm going to write a, a dedication later on about Ruby Dee, that she, has had, she, she is a giant as it relates to thinking about the way women are perceived in the 20th century. And what I mean by, I mean, in, in black film. Not meaning like when we talk about that, that shift that Pam Greer ushered in in the 1970s where, you know, the women's movement was really high and here comes this woman who looks really, really sexy and, and can carry a gun and, and beat guys down, Cleopatra Jones, you know, Tamara Dobson, those actresses. I'm talking about a woman who was an actor. And her and her husband, Ozzie Davis, uh, you know, you know, they directed films, produced films, acted in films, as I said, with colleagues, with Portier, with Belafonte, with uh, Sammy Davis Jr., with many of the, of the huge actors of that time, the Brock Peters, um, knew um, uh, Dorothy Dandridge, <laughs> knew Diane Carroll. They, I, don't, I think you have a singular career when I call her a giant, that there is no other African-American woman who has had a career that spans from 1946 up until her most recent film. And let me just double-check. We have a recent film from Ruby Dee that was made in 2012, and actually 2013. She did a Lifetime movie. She appeared 
and Betty and Coretta in 2013. That was last year at the age of 90. So from 1946 to 2013, 54 and 13, 67 years of continuous work from Ruby D. There is nobody else. And matter of fact, there are no male actors with a career like that. Sidney Poitier retired a long time ago. He doesn't make movies anymore. Um, and he's 86, I think, 86, maybe 86, 86 87. Um, but that, that, is, that is a major, major loss, and I do not want that to go unnoticed of just how special this woman's career was. It, it, it just wasn't that, you know, she was married to a nice guy. She had a career on her own. So some of the notable films from Miss Ruby D. you heard me talk about No Way Out, Portier's debut film, uh, Edge of the City, another great film, which is another one of my essentials. She played the wife of Sidney Poitier in this film opposite um, John Cassavetes. Uh, wonderful story there. I would suggest you checking that out. A Raisin in the Sun, Say No More, one of my all-time favorite films. Again, playing the wife of Poitier in that film, uh, which is an absolute classic. Her and her husband uh, got together for Gone of the Days back in 1963. Another film that she made that a lot of people may overlook is a film called Uptight uh, from 1968, uh, an amazing film. Let's see, Buck and the Preacher. She appeared in Watch Stacks. Of course, she worked with Spike Lee on several films, including Do the Right Thing, Jungle Fever, where her and her husband again, and uh, Wesley Snipes and Samuel L. Jackson. Um, Mr. and Mrs. Loving, another good film by her. Uh, she, she was uh, in the documentary B, A Black Woman Speaks. Uh, we talked about uh, her Oscar turn in American Gangster, and I'm trying to think. Um, she, her, her final film was a Lifetime film, Betty and Coretta. But uh, Ruby Dee, uh, extraordinary actress, wonderful woman, an activist. Uh, her and her husband, uh, and, and I am so glad that they are reunited again. Um, such a, the, the first couple of black films. They represented more than half of the, the, the latter half of the 20th century out there grinding along, mentoring, giving opportunities. Um, Ruby D. wow. Congratulations on a life well lived, well done, my good and faithful servant. Uh, I'm about to take a break right now. And we're going to come back, and uh, on the other side, we're going to talk with uh, John and Hansu. Wow. You guys, of course, are listening to The Big Show. Keep it real with Film Gordon, and we'll be right back.
All right, and of course, that is Carolyn Malachi. We've been featuring her music all day from her album. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Gold, and of course that was the title song from the from that album. If you don't, if you, I'm playing snippets of these songs today. Um, please go and check that album out. That woman is immensely, immensely talented. So uh, the album is called Gold. That song we just heard was Gold. Um, wow. 31 minutes after the hour, uh, my, my mojo's a little thrown off now because I'm really trying to hold it together, thinking about Ruby D a woman whose work, I, as you can tell in the last segment, I admired greatly. And it wasn't just that I knew a little bit about her. We knew a lot about her. I mean, because if you study film, and specifically if you study black cinema, you've got to know who some of the, 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 the legendary performers. And, you know, we think about, I think about women. Uh, Cicely Tyson is another one that comes to mind who is just a treasure. Um, who doesn't act as much, and, and Ruby D slowed down as well in the later part of her career, but just an amazing, amazing actress. Now, back to our show, um, and I, I probably will schedule a, uh, an additional show just to do Ruby D or to talk about Ruby D uh, because I think her career merits that much. But uh, coming out this weekend in theaters is the sequel to the animated action thriller, and of course, that is How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, the film, of course, stars uh, Jay Baruchel as uh, Hiccup in the film. And in this film, which takes place five years after the events of the first one, um, you know, now there is a new villain that, uh, that has to be dealt with in this film. And I'm trying to pull up this villain's name. Uh, as we're as we're getting ready to listen to Mr. Hansu, uh, the the character that is played is called Drago Bloodvis, who's a dragon hunter, uh, scary scary villain in this film. And uh, Travis Hobson and I had a chance to sit down with Mr. Hansu, and um, without any further ado, here is our conversation with Mr. Hansu. Uh, I'm joined, of course, with tra- by Travis Hobson, and this guy in the middle, ladies, of course, that is Mr. Jaman Hansu. Sir, how are you? I'm really well. Jaman, Jaman Hansu. Really? Jaman, thank you. you. Yeah. Oh, nice. Nice to meet you, sir. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice to meet you. Good <laughs> That's great. Great, great to have you. All right, sir. Thanks for having me. All right. What's going on? Well, first of all, man, uh, the movie uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2. Yeah, that's had an opportunity. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> had an opportunity to see this movie. Oh yeah, how'd you? What'd you think? Well, you were terrifying. 
<laughs> That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how Travis feels about mm. it. Well, what, uh, well, first of all, I, I was going to ask you, what, did you watch the first film, and, and, and what did you, what did of you course, think of that? I mean, I, I saw the first film because I uh, have a son who's also, you know, uh, uh, five now, and over time, uh, uh, you know, with his sisters, uh, we've seen the film, you know, at home a couple of times, mm. and, but never had I thought, you know, uh, a couple of years later that I would be offered, uh, you know, to play a role in that. Sequel, so right. it's, uh, yeah, it's quite rewarding. You know, it's all, it, it, every successful uh, successful actor, you know, eventually at some point, you know, it kind of extends your legacy to be a feature. You know, yeah, yeah, no, they live forever. I mean, yeah. you know, movie, especially for a movie like this, a franchise like this, yeah, you know, yeah. exactly. So the, the character, of course, you had to channel some some true rage to play this character. Uh, was it a mix of, of you not just bringing kind of like a dark side to it, but was there some humanity that you tried to portray in the character as well? Uh, more importantly, I mean, uh, there has to be a humanity. I mean, all uh, lost souls, uh, are, you know, are all humane, you know. I mean, obviously, they, uh, they got, you know, uh, let down by either by themselves or, you know, through the default system of, you know, growing up. And, Generates from your parents, you know, your family members, for the most part. But anyways, I, I mean, when I heard, when I got offered the the role, and I heard the name of the character, it just took me to places. I started fantasizing about, I mean, how, because the the voice is represented. I mean, for us, going to interpret that character or any other character in an animated feature, the voice is the character. The voice defines everything, you know. So, uh, yeah, the need to find um, Drago Bloodbest's uh, voice was uh, crucial. Yeah. Did they did they show you like the design of the character first, and then you kind of built the voice around around what you saw, or did you kind of think about it yourself first of all? Well, like I said, it was the name first, and uh, so I started mm -hmm. fantasizing about the name and what that character would be like, and uh, try to visualize it. And uh, I also had a, some sort of like a, 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 a graphic uh, sort of like a, a drawing of it, and um, so I saw that and playing with it uh, quite a bit. I mean, I you know it was like a back and forth, back and forth, and trying to. Uh, I mean, like there were days I come come out of the studio the force completely gone right you know, like <laughs> what a week to recover but yeah it was quite uh, it was a fun process because it, it, at first it, it, it really felt like uh, very clinical you know if you will right. I mean it's, it's just you and uh, right. a mic and uh, and you know you're directly on the side, guiding <laughs> you and all that. But so that's the part that's very clinical because you're just reading uh, by yourself, not with any other actor. And, uh, so, but uh, at the same time, it's quite uh, theatrical the process, and uh, it's quite liberating. Now, over the course of I think you're almost 20 years now that you've been making films. Yeah. Um, what would what would you Consider your the, the the theme of your style. What what is it exactly that you're looking for? Is there a certain thread that runs uh, in in your thinking for the movies that you've made, for the choice that you've made? Well, it's interesting you're saying. Uh, you know, it's been 20 years of my career, but uh, I, I interestingly, uh, DreamWorks did uh, 
produced uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, actually it's the 20th anniversary of, uh, uh, of existing and, uh, you know, of the studio existing and uh, so, um, yeah, so I mean I sort of like uh, started with Steven Spielberg a couple of years after, you know, uh, the, the, uh, the creation of the, 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 the studio and so I feel like I'm uh, yeah, 20 year old, young, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And but at the same time, so to answer your question about, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, at all time you always want to find meaty roles, roles that really speaks uh, volume as far as, uh, you know, uh, some attributes of our social, you know, uh, interacting, uh, you know, here and there. And so, I mean. The, the, those characters, uh, some of them have great, great, uh, you know, great voices of, you know, of wisdom and uh, uh, struggle quite a bit, and then finding it, and uh, so it's that to me. Anytime you can somewhat make people think and maybe people question them, certainly uh, about the, the the personality you portray in a story, that's always a uh, yeah, I was I was thinking about you know kind of your early career as well you know uh, movies like In America which I always remember you for yeah, um, Amistad and, and movies like that you've always had this you always played characters that had this sort of really commanding presence to them it's, it seems like no matter what what film it is the character you play your character is a very commanding presence and I think that carries over to Drago Bloodfist as well mm. who literally has command over <laughs> over dragons yeah. do you sort of see yourself flocking to those kinds of roles or yeah I mean you know I started early with uh, Steven Spielberg like you, you said uh, you know with Amistad and uh, and but you know that character was uh, such a powerful and uh, dignified character in, uh, in a story like that and uh, uh, for a story that speaks volume to uh, every generation of uh, this, uh, this country. And, uh, so in that sense, uh, yeah, I mean, you're sort of like uh, driven now at that point to want to, you know, find needy, uh, you know, and, uh, interesting characters that have voices or that, you know, uh, great voices like that, yeah. Now you have you have several other projects that are coming up in addition to this, including a high profile one in August. Do you want to talk a little bit about that one? Well, aside from How to Train Your Dragon 2, I have uh, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and Marvel Comics. Uh, this is like the superheroes of the galaxy. You know, now we're tackling the galaxies. I mean, it's like no place in the, you know on Earth. I mean, it's like absolutely so like not you know I have no. It's a world apart, has no bearings, no reflection to it. So it's quite uh, a fun uh, and uh, interesting uh, action picture. I'm looking forward to seeing that too, because I haven't seen it. uh, You know, just watch it yet? No, well, you know, we 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 were still filming until about a couple months ago, so there's still a little pieces that need to be uh, finished. but no, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Uh, you know, I'm playing like a, uh, a my character's name is Korath, and uh, he's the uh, you know build machine to kill a machine. So, but uh, that was fun to play. That was quite tough. Sorry, excuse me. That was quite fun to play. Have you heard anything about because the How to Train Your Dragon it's designed as a trilogy? 
I personally think there'll be more. Yeah. <laughs> there'll be more. Yeah, we had that talk with the director. Right, right. I think there'll be Did more. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you talked about? Have you heard anything about what your character might be doing in a next film, or have you? Uh, do you have any ideas on where he, he might I go? I don't even know if I exist in the next. film. <laughs> 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 well, you guys seem to have talked to the director. So I think, well, I, well, I, think well, the, I think the door is open for your character to return. <laughs> well, the, well, the door. <laughs> the door is open, but in what capacity? <laughs> Would you uh, like your character to return for the next one? How about of that? Of course, I would love that. I would <laughs> love that. Uh, more importantly, I would love to explore what made Drago bloodthirsty. Mm. Uh, and bloodthirsty, uh, because he's not really gathering, he's not really uh, uh, collecting dragons to, uh, you know, he's, he's not collecting dragons. I mean, he's collecting them for an, an army. Right. But what I'm trying to say is he didn't, um, he's not, you know, uh, uh, tracking dragons to kill them. You know, right. I mean, so the the reason why he's you know, sorry, uh, building a, a dragon army is for mankind. You know, it's to control mankind. So right. what made him, and how, you know, he became what he became, and uh, as a result, uh, you know, what was the uh, his interaction with uh, mankind before you know he lost it. Mm -hmm. So, John, are you trying to get your own prequels? <laughs> <laughs> you, you laid it out pretty well. I mean, I watched that movie, you know. <laughs> Drago's, Drago's origin story. Yeah, I think, I think you're English for something. Well, you know they got a whole TV series. Maybe they can bring you in to do something. Right, right. There you go. All right. <laughs> I think we're uh, just... No, but I think it will be quite interesting. Uh, yeah. You have a character like Drago, but just, uh, you know, again, uh, nobody becomes like a... A bloodthirsty, uh, you know, indoctrinated, uh, indoctrinated, indoctrinated dragons, and uh, for nothing. I mean, obviously, the wound came from somewhere. Right. You know. Now, before we get out, it's quite nice to, to to know those things because, uh, again, on a daily basis, we're also confronted to, you know, so challenged to, uh, you know, on a daily basis to try to, uh, you know, evolve as we see it fit. But uh, you know, you have so many. Uh, Attributes on the outside that basically there's a conflict. You know, there's a conflict of uh, your evolution about your. I mean, as you would say it fit, you know. Right. But again, yeah. So uh, it's interesting that we, yeah, we live. You know, we're social being, we're, but the way we're so conditioned to, you know, wear our ego in uh, internal. Mm animals of the way the ego outside. Right. And so yeah. when you meet somebody um, you know, in acting, when uh, you're asked to play some of those roles, you're asked to, to be very reactive, which is you know, where your ego on the outside. I was going to tell you before we get out of here. I just realized that, yeah, a, that's the vulnerability, uh, you know, in uh, portraying some of those characters. I'm going to let you have the last word on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't follow that. Like, I can't follow that. That was great. Nice Thanks to meet you as well. Great talking to you. Great.
Carolyn Malachi. We've been featuring her album all day long, and of course, that is her lead single, All Right, from her album entitled Gold. Uh, so it is 47 minutes after the hour, and without any further ado, it is time for us to talk movies. <clears throat> Excuse me. And without any further ado, let us hit it. This week in film, uh, we're going to go with two movies that we're, we're reviewing. And I told you earlier, of course, it's How to Train Your Dragon 2 and also 22 Jump Street. And 22 Jump Street is where we will start. Uh, after making their way through high school twice, big changes are in store for officers Schmidt and Jinko when they go deep undercover at a local college. Co-directors Phil Lord and Christopher Miller uh, bring this story that has a bunch of screenwriters, but we'll talk about that momentarily. Uh, this film, of course, stars Channing Tatum, Jonah Hill, and Ice Cube. And, of course, the film in question is 22 Jump Street. And before I review this film, let's listen to a clip. What up, fellas? We across the whole neighborhood. Oh, the Yangs. Hey, what's what's up, up, man? With the Yangs, man. What's going on, man? Kenny Yang. What's up? Oh, you're twins. Yeah. We're brothers, too. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not, he's not kidding. He's serious. Oh, really? Is you got, like, one of y'all older? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you got crow's feet under your eyes, man. You specific. We're actually just normal college age. I mean, well, even if you're a little older, that's cool, man. Because, you know, girls here love older dudes. That's true. Plus, it's mad girls here, man. I don't know. At the end of the day, you just kind of want something that's just a little deeper, really. Yeah, yeah deeper. Jinx, buy me a Coke. Oh, snap, man. We're still saying the same thing. This is amazing. Carrots. Pumpernickel. Glow sticks. Twins. That's crazy. We have that brother... Connection to yeah. Mm-hmm. You ready? Yep. Paper clips. Bananas. I don't know. Words. Quick shoes. Boom. I apologize. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to laugh through the clips while they're on, but of course that is uh, not only uh, Jonah Hill and uh, Channing Tatum, but that is also the Lucas Brothers starring as uh, Keith and Kenny Yang. Uh, some some neighbors who live across the hall. In this film, that made me laugh a lot. And 
If you've been listening to the show recently, you've heard me railing about films like Neighbors and Blended. Um, and there was another comedy that uh, came out recently, oh, A Million Ways to Die in the West, where, as I tell people, humor is subjective. Uh, I, I liked some of the humor that was in A Million, million Ways to Die in the West. I was not a big fan, as you know, of both Neighbors and Blended. Uh, this film um, immediately captured me. And what I mean by that is from the opening sequence in the film, it's clear that both Phil Lord, directors Phil Lord, and um, what is the other gentleman's name? Because I want to make sure I give them proper credit for this. Uh, Phil Lord is one director, and Christopher Miller is the other, that they firmly had their tongue in their cheek on this one. Uh, there's this huge monologue where uh, even when Ice Cube comes in and he's explaining that now that they've moved and that they have a new project, that they're going to do the same case that they did the first time, but we got a lot more money <laughs> to work on this case this time. We got some nice toys. He's, you know, he made, he made reference to his office, his shoes, his clothes. But we're going to do the same thing, which is kind of like a wink-wink to the audience, that we know we're making a sequel. And we know typically the second movie sucks because we throw more money at them by giving, and, and while giving you the same idea. So Miller and Lloyd, Lloyd, Lord are well aware of what they're doing, and I think the ability that they free themselves from the restrictions of what a sequel should be or how to tell a story gives them the freedom and, and brings in a lot of the fun that really makes this movie really, really funny and makes it work. Now, while Channing Tatum, I will give him credit as well, is a great straight man in this film, I think the person who really deserves, I don't want to say the lion's share of the credit, but he does deserve a lot of credit is Jonah Hill, who I think is absolutely fantastic in this film. And I don't mean fantastic in a way like a Kevin Hart would be fantastic, where, you know, you just get a steady stream of him, it's his comedic timing that I think Jonah Hill has perfected, and specifically his, his chemistry, working with Channing Tatum, that the two of these guys really, really flow well together. Now, the story, as I said, is really generic because we've seen them do this a couple of times now. And in this story, they are sent into a high school where, I mean, excuse me, into a college, a local college, and immediately there's friction because Shannon Tatum, who's, who always wanted to go to college and never had the opportunity, not only is going to college, but he's now a jock on the football team. And in this role, Jonah Hill doesn't necessarily fit in, so the two of them separate. Um, while they're separating, they're working a case, trying to find who the supplier is of this boutique drug that's spreading around campus called Wi-Fi. Um, in addition to that, Jonah Hill has a love affair in this film that hits a little close to home, which also brings in a comedic element and gives Ice Cube a chance to really be funny and to go against the image that he has crafted for years as, you know, like the, the, the end you love to hate and, you know, his, his work with NWA and his own solo work. So this movie is fired on all cylinders. Uh, even the post-credit sequence, <laughs> which continues to make fun of the entire franchise, this is a winning comedy. Now, I'm not saying it's the best comedy of the summer or one of the best movies of the summer, but is it worth it if you have to drop down 10 to $12? Oh, yeah, you will laugh. Uh, 22 Jump Street, I like this movie a whole lot. 
um, Jonah Hill, Channing Tatum, Ice Cube, um, <laughs> the clip you heard with the Lucas Twins. This is a winning combination of film. I would, I would say, as I said, not the best film, but is it working? Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Now, on to our next film. And our next film is uh, simply How to Train Your Dragon 2. Uh, and this film tells the story of when Hiccup and Toothless discover an ice cave that's home to hundreds of, of new wild dragons and a mysterious dragon rider. The two friends find themselves at the center of a battle to protect the peace. Uh, this film, of course, stars, as I said earlier, Jay Baruchel, Kate Blanchett, Gerard Butler, Craig Ferguson, and a host of others. And before we talk about this film, let's listen to a clip from How to Train Your Dragon. Welcome aboard, Dragon Rider. Thanks. I think. Where have you been? Oh, you know, catching up with Mom. Well, now you know where I get my dramatic flair. That's right, and Hiccup does have a dramatic flair. Dean Deblois, I think is how his name pronounced, is, this, is the writer and director of yet another one of these films in the franchise. And I liked the first film a lot. I really love How to Train Your Dragon 2. This movie uh, does something very, very tricky and it's not really easy to do where you have to play with tones in a movie. You know, it's one thing to have a lighter tone in a movie or to have a darker tone, but sometimes it gets really awkward and, as I said earlier, tricky when you try to mix the tones in a movie where you have some comedy or you have light moments and then you have some dark moments that happen in a film. And this story, as I said earlier, which happens five years in the future, now has a hiccup you know, with a, with a, who lost his leg in the first one, and, of course, his, his dragon friend, Toothless, who lost a piece of his tail. So the two of them are these kind of disabled, kind of like broken children who, who together are really, really strong. And their bond is tested in this film. Uh, the dragon hunter, as you heard, uh, Jaman Hansu on the show, or, or Jaman Hansu on the show earlier, talking about his character, who is the dragon rider who literally – is the person who is trying to control all the dragons. And it comes into conflict because there is one safe haven, I think it's called Barth, where all of the free dragons, or all of the dragons are living in harmony with humans, and that is being threatened by Han Tzu's character in the film. Now, couple that with Deblois bringing in or reintroducing the mother back into the story, and then the connection or the reconnection between uh, Gerard Butler's character, Stoic, and the mother played by Kate Blanchett, whose name in the film is Balka. So there's a completeness of family, and it's, it's almost what I call the sitcom model, where, you know, it starts off, we start here with an issue at the top of the hour. We have a lot of drama that happens here in the middle, and by the time we get to the top of the hour again, we figure out a way to resolve it. Now, saying How to Train Your Dragon 2 does that would really be to simplify a lot of the textures that are used in the film by Deblois. And I think 
that balance that I talked about earlier, because there are some things that happen in the middle to late part of this film that if he didn't handle them correctly, they would have really, really come across as being hokey or too heavy-handed. And I think he, ex- he executes it perfectly. He executes it so well that as much as I love the Lego movie, back in February, I think this movie is superior. I think I can go out on a limb and say that this is the best animated film I have seen as of today. Now, will there be another one before the end of the year? Perhaps. But right now, this is the best animated film of the year. This is a movie, again, worth your money, and I think this is a rarity because for so many weeks we talk about movies sometimes that I wouldn't spend my money and they let me see them for free. <laughs> so, but these movies, I think, are both two really, really strong movies, and it's going to be really interesting to see them face off at the box office this weekend because you can make a case for either film. My gut instinct tells me that How to Train Your Dragon will probably come out as the number one movie because all things considering, it's a movie that you can take kids to, and parents will take kids to it. Um, even though 22 Jump Street will be a movie that's really, really funny and people will go, you can't top the kids. There's more kids than there are of us. So I think from that factor and that factor alone, not that one is better than the other, but How to Train Your Dragon 2 is a really, really special movie, and I would put it up there with movies like Up. I would put it up there with some of, like, Toy Story and some of, like, the really, really strong animated characters. This one is worth your time. I'm going to get out of here right now. Um, I need to compose myself because I'm trying not to think about what I want to write to honor the life and legacy of Miss Ruby D. but something is coming this afternoon, so I have to give it some thought. Um, You know, as I said, you know, I want to dedicate today's show to the life and memory of uh, Ruby D. who, as I said today, uh, was announced passed away at the age of 91. Um, and as I tell you guys in closing every week, oh, one more note before we get out of here. Um, I want you guys to tune in tomorrow, same time at 1 o'clock. Uh, Ice Cube will be on our show to talk about his role in 22 Jump Street. You don't want to miss that. And now, as I tell you guys in closing, um, please see something good at the movies. As you can tell, I'm a little affected right now, but it's okay. It's all human, and it's a part of what we have to do. Until next time, you guys enjoy your day, and we'll talk soon.